Welcome to episode 22 of You're a Financial Planner, Now What? I'm your host, Hannah Moore, certified financial planner and owner of Guiding Wealth Management. Today we have another recorded meetup with Lynn McIntyre from Cadent Capital, and this time our topic was networking. From personal to professional networking, I hope you enjoy the discussion and find it useful for your career. Once again, we want to thank the Milestone Group here in Dallas for hosting us so graciously. Let's jump right in. So we had talked about, you know, what what are like the things that young planners need, and I think networking is probably been one of the most beneficial things that has happened to me um, in my career, and so that's kind of what that we talk about today. Um, I have a definition of networking. <laughs> I typed it up. Uh, it says networking is a deliberate activity to build, reinforce, or maintain relationships of trust with other people to further your go- goals. So professional networking is simply networking focused on professional goals. Um, so making connections with other people in order to pro- improve yourself professionally. And I think that's kind of an important distinction because I feel, I mean, when you go to professional networking events, like you want to be friends with people and like that's important, but you can't forget the professional side of it. So you're not just it's not just your drinking buddies from college. It's there's intention behind behind what you're what you're doing. I concur. And the networking needs to be diversified just like our advice and our investment portfolios are diversified. We don't focus in on one single thing. Your networking needs to be with fellow professionals, fellow advisors. It needs to be with fellow professionals that are attorneys or CPAs or think outside of the box when it comes to that because there are people who advise professionals in career transition. That might be a great person for you to develop a networking relationship with. And then also your own clients or people that are in your sphere of influence, your world, if you volunteer your time, if you're involved in a sport, then those are also, that's another avenue for networking with a purpose. There's something that came out, I heard it a couple years ago, but it was like, you know, you take the top five people that you spend the most time with, and they say like, show me the top five people you spend the most time with, and I can tell you who you are. And so I think that's really with networking, it's like who you associate yourself with is who you're going to be most like. And so I know there, in my career there have been several points where I've just been like, I don't want to be anything like these people. Why am I here? You know, and, and networking allows you to see who you want to be like. I had a young advisor ask me the question recently, is it important for me to attend, if I only have so many hours in the day, is it important for me to attend meetings where in the room are essentially exclusively other financial planners. Is that the best use of my time, i.e. attending an FPA meeting? And my first answer was absolutely. That's the place where you can talk with other advisors, either those that are at your same stage in career as well as those that are more advanced, and begin to see mirror images of yourself or see something reflected back at you that you've never considered and it's a great way to learn and hone in the craft of financial planning. I believe wholeheartedly in the FPA or Estate Planning Council and there's a whole host of professional organizations where you'll find others that are in the wealth management field but 
it is valuable use of your time. I think back to when I was at the broker dealer and I had started going to these sessions and Patrick Darty, um, he, he ended up becoming my mentor, but he was one person where I was like, I see what he's doing and I want to be like him. And it was such a distinction from what I was seeing everywhere else around me, just even just his approach to the business, how he managed his time, how what he spent his time on. And so I would have never seen that if I had never opened myself up to that. And I think, you know, it allows, when you network, you get to see all the people that you want, could possibly want to be, be like. Mm -hmm. And even one of the other things it does too is that like, you're most likely not gonna be at the same firm you are now going forward. I mean, except for these two. Except for these two, these two are definitely <laughs> staying there. <laughs> but you know, it's like, it's like average of five years or something is like that you stay at, stay at a firm, and it's like that's realizing that you're going to be moving, you're going to be changing business models, you're going to be doing lots of different things with your career. If you don't have a foundation for what the options are out there, so an example, I have a lot of friends who are just like the RAA model is it, like that is it, your fee only RAA, like that's that's all it's ever going to be, and it's like well, there's a lot of really good stuff going on in the broker dealer world. And if you don't understand that, you're going to be possibly presented with a great opportunity and you're just going to write that off because you haven't had any exposure to that. It is about ex exposure to yourself so that you can be the best advisor that you can be for your clients. I did bring some resources. I'm a resource person and eventually, I won't hand them out to you right now but I am going to use those in my head to guide me in some of the comments that I make and then when, when we're finished, I'll let you each take a packet. There's plenty of really great material about how to be in front of people that you would like to develop a relationship with, but one of the very best models that has worked for me throughout my career has been one of identifying someone that you would like to be more like, the way that Hannah said, and then asking that person for a meeting. You're gonna find that in this profession in particular, most people will want to help you, and most people are very willing to give a bit of their time if you ask them for a meeting by telling them that I've identified this about you and I would like to talk with you more about that. Can you give me a couple minutes of your time? And there are definite ways to do it. The world we live in today with internet access and you can Google everything with LinkedIn, with all of the various social media avenues, you could identify someone that you want to be like, that you admire, and do an awful lot of homework on your own time before you ever call them to ask for a meeting, finding people in common, finding activities in common, finding a whole host of information which, which helps. I, I had interviewed somebody on the podcast and it went live a couple weeks ago, but they talked about how they moved to a new city and they're like, I, ha I had no network. And they literally cold called their way into a network. <laughs> so they just got, picked up the phone, called a handful of advisors. A lot of advisors said no, but a couple said yes. And they met with them and then they asked them, who else should I meet with? And then they were like, oh, you should meet with these people. And then they reached out to those people saying, you know, they gave me your name. 
and that's how they built up a really extensive network. So just because you don't have a network doesn't mean you can't have a network. Um, and I also think another point just on like why it's important is like you don't need your network until you need it. Um, I had spent a lot of time, like I love conferences, it's how I learn best, I love sitting in classrooms, like I just, I operate really well in that space. And so I, I've gone to a lot of conferences and I was like, well, what's the point of all this? Like I'm spending an awful lot of money on this and nothing, nothing's happening. And then I ended up leaving, when I left the broker dealer and moved to uh, my own RIA, that all happened within like a month, month and a half time frame. It was really, really fast. And when that happened, there were so many specific questions that I had that I was able to say like, I don't know this answer, but I know that they might. And so I was able to reach out to people, like very specific people with very specific questions. If they couldn't give me an answer, they were able to say, hey, you need to talk to this person. I know they're gonna be able to know this answer. I had 40 people that I had reached out to in that one month. And it's like, if I didn't have that, like that transition would have taken a heck of a lot longer and just, it would have gone very, very differently. So I think you, building up your network, even though you don't know that you're gonna, what you're gonna need it for is really important. When you think about networking, what comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Everyone. Yeah. Okay, Johnny. Let's talk about that setting because that's absolutely correct. That is part of networking. When you go to, when you accept invitations to these events where you know it's going to be a cocktail party, the mindset going in is not to find people that you already know, which is what I do. The mindset going in is to look for people that you do not already know and then find a gracious way to enter the conversation, waiting until they're about to break from a conversation that they're already part of, or if it looks as if the circle is big enough that you could join the circle and wait to be acknowledged, that's also a possibility, but it needs to be people that you don't already know. And in a perfect world, you've already looked at the invite list for the cocktail party and you've identified in advance some people that you know are going to be there that you would like to speak with. But that's not always possible. But again, look for people you don't already know, join the conversation, and talk about them, not about yourself. It's okay if you don't even bring your business cards with you. Talk about them. And in the back of your mind, try to retain some piece of personal information they shared with you that you can then follow up with them about. A good example would be if you're speaking with someone and they're telling you about a recent trip to Napa and they tasted wine all weekend and what a great time they had, then you get back to your office and you find a Groupon for a wine tasting event, or you find something related to wine tasting that you could then contact them about and say, hey, I thought about you when I saw this. I wondered if you'd want to go with me and we could talk further. Completely different cocktail party mindset than finding your friends and spending the whole hour talking about things you already know the answers to with people that you already know. And I think like, kind of dovetailing off that, like people are really passionate about things. If you can find what they're passionate about and then like really dig into that, I mean, because there's, 
using myself as an example, like, there's a lot of stuff I can talk to, but there are some things that like I care a lot about. And if you touch on that, I mean, you have my attention because not everybody, one knows those things or two can engage in, or is willing to engage in a conversation on that. And then you bring something else about that or add some value to that part of my life, like then not then, many people do that. Right. That's yeah. true. Not very many people do that. What happens in the same cocktail party? You identify someone you don't know. You join the conversation and you can quickly tell they are not somebody that needs to be in your network or needs to be a client. What do you do at that point? You have a drink in your hand that's about halfway done or lower. So you want to go refresh. Find a way yeah. <laughs> to exit. Find a way to exit. Politely. <laughs> yes. Because, again, why, what's your definition of networking? Uh, deliberate activity to build, reinforce, and maintain networks of trust. If you're being deliberate and the person you're speaking with is not someone that needs to be in your network, then you need to move on and find someone that is. What else about networking comes to mind besides the cocktail party? Referrals. Referrals from existing clients or from fellow professionals. How do we get someone to refer to us? You do have to ask, and that's a real fault in our business. Most of us are weak in asking. Do you ask for referrals on a regular basis? like I should. <laughs> That's a tough one, but you do need to ask. Clients need to know. How else do you get referrals? Just building a long relationship sometimes it just happens naturally where you may not even be expecting a referral and there may be some kind of running in motion either that happens with the colleagues or the client's spouse or someone they know and all of a sudden there's a you know, first up at That's right. It's, it is a numbers thing, and it's being top of mind, and it's being that, in Hannah's example, she had a need for a client, and therefore she needed to go to her network to ask for advice about that. She didn't call the people that she thought would not have a good answer. <laughs> she called the people that she knew were prepared and would have a good answer. So a certain part of the art of networking is making sure that other people are aware of you and what you do and and that you will and that they have instilling in them the confidence that you will do a good job so how can we make sure that's the case can you think of ways to put yourself out there in that way do that, which may not be the best approach, I think, especially with money and 
managing assets. So it, I think there's a fine line, uh, kind of art and science to approaching that, keeping that kind of relationship and dialogue open. There is definitely an art. What have you found most helpful? Well, I'm much more, I don't feel like I'm in, well, I struggle like walking into the open cocktail hours and making all the connections. Like that's not my strong suit. Um, and even just with clients, I mean, I, I, I kind of have that mindset of, you know, you do good work and good things come from that. And so we talk about networking within client circles. I'm not nearly as experienced, um, but connecting within the advisor world and even connecting with the advisor world has turned into clients for me. Finding clients on that. Plan. How many of you have your own client base or you're assisting others with an existing client base? Have, have your own. You're just beginning back again. You have your own assisting, assisting others. Mm -hmm. In 20 years of doing this, the very best referral sources when you're thinking of other professionals have turned out to be CPAs, tax advisors for me, but also attorneys and also mortgage lenders. There's a handful of people that also work with clients when they're in a transition that involves finances. When it comes to those people, if your client has a need, you need to know who their advisors already are. It's one thing to have a CPA that you love, but if you don't know who your client's existing CPA is, then you don't know for sure whether they need a referral or not. So the very first thing with every single client, in your case with the new clients when they come on board, in your case with your existing book, Find out who are their current advisors. Every single advisor that's on their team, if they have an attorney, either a state or corporate, if they have a CPA, if they have a mortgage officer that they love, if they're a CEO and, and it, was a, it was a corporate placement firm that found them their CEO position, then I would want to know who was, who was the person at that corporate placement firm that found them their job. All of these advisors get permission from your client to contact that advisor. And I've got some scripting for that that I'll give to you. Not that I want you to read the script, but it just helps to have some words. And let them know, we have a client in common. In order for me to be the very best collaborative advisor I can be for my client, I need to know you and I need to know your practice. Let's get together and talk about it. I have yet to find a fellow advisor that won't do that. That's a great way to begin to build. You learn two things. Number one, you learn whether this is a CPA that you, in a subtle way, need to replace with someone that you know that's better, <laughs> or an attorney, etc. If not, if they're great, then you have a unique opportunity to demonstrate the value you bring to the table and then that advisor is going to think about you perhaps the next time they need to introduce their client to someone. The other thing that you'll learn in our profession is that especially CPAs and attorneys, not so much the mortgage officers and the placement op 
people, but CPAs and attorneys, they really don't do marketing very well. They're numbers people or they're, they have the legal mindset, which they need your help with marketing events. If you're hosting a marketing event that you're inviting your clients to attend, and you can also include on the list all of these various CPAs and attorneys that you've met through your client base, they might come and they might bring a client with them. So your own clients are the first place to start to build your network of fellow professionals because you really do need to know and have a personal relationship, personal professional relationship with the advisors of your clients. Do y'all do a lot of client events with that intention? We do not do a lot of client events, period. <laughs> but anytime that we do, those people, our top, the top advisors, the clients, top clients and their advisors are always on the invite list when we, when we have an event. I don't think we've had one. Over a year. Mm -hmm. In over a year. You get so caught up in taking care of your clients, sometimes you forget to market. <laughs> do you do client events? Uh, no, it's, I mean, my book is just where it's just one-offs where I'll just meet with them for, you know, face-to-face, -face, and I feel like that comes across a little bit more, I guess, less sales, more genuine, and I think clients appreciate that because of the one-on-one -on -one time really is, is a time where we can kind of reconnect and kind of figure out where things need to be, <coughs> a, either realigned or something's not working, and I think that might come across, for me at least, in my practice, uh, it works well. That's the same approach we take, mostly face-to-face -face meetings with the clients. However, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of very successful client events we did. Why we don't do them more often, I have no idea. But it was maybe four years ago when the municipal bond market was everyone thinking about to crater and there were, there were all kinds of misinformation in the news. Exactly, exactly. Totally wrong about it. I look for those places where my clients are being bombarded by misinformation and that's the perfect time to have a client event. A dinner where you invite someone who you know really does know about the municipal bond market and you say, we, we call them above the noise dinners, and we say, come, hear what is the real truth about this, bring anyone else you know in your world that might also be confused, and then of course we would invite those those advisors that are in our network, CPAs, attorneys, to come to the dinner as well. Every time we do one of those, we get a new client. Every time. We just don't do them very often. And there's been plenty of pieces of information recently that have been miscues, wrong information, but that's what I look for. And it doesn't even have to be a big dinner, but I try to, for me, a client event is always centered around enhancing their education, not just fun. And I'm not saying fun is wrong, it's just the way our Tom and me work. <laughs> I can incorporate fun into that. Well, I really appreciate it too, for example, with the municipal bond uh, issue, and I'm sure there would be a lot of uh, attention if there were some events where like the Brexit vote would happen, how that kind of 
Exactly. That is a perfect example, Johnny. Yes, there was so much misinformation about that. We, instead of an event, we just sent a client letter out where, where we got it spot on, exactly the way it turned out to be. This is much ado about nothing. Would have been a good client event. I had put together a list of people that you needed in your network, and I didn't go to like business building outside your network, just kind of just professionally, who do you need? Um, and so I'd go through that list and you can add in <laughs> a lot of No, that's, that's a perfect extra. segue to this exercise that I brought. Oh, perfect. Um, you can add <laughs> to my list. Uh, but like mentors, I think that is one of the most important groups of people that you can have in your life. Um, they're the ones who get to know the good, the bad, and the ugly about who, like everything. I mean, and not every mentor knows everything, obviously, but there are times when you're just like, okay, I need to tell you this not glamorous part and like help you navigate that. I think that's really important. Um, you can have lots of mentors. I mean, I have mentors that don't even know that they're my mentors. Um, they can be very informal or formal uh, mentoring. Um, you'll have different mentors for different phases of your life and phases of your, of your career. Um, I had one for one year, and she was just spot on exactly what I needed. And I go back to that um, somewhat regularly. Um, and then they can help you decide on like the big decisions. Um, because your peers can help you with that too, but the thing about mentors is they have this perspective of experience that your peers might not have that I think is really valuable. But again, finding mentors who you want to be like, rather than they may be a big name or they may have a really successful firm or you know all these things, but if you don't want to be like them, then their advice is always going to be tainted. Um, the next group, they're, uh, I call them advocates, and Trudy was the one who kind of turned me on to this and I've, I've been watching it, and advocates are the people who champion you. So they're the people who have a relationship with you and just love you and like they are all about what you do. Um, so a lot of, sometimes that can be centers of influences, that can be professionally. I mean, I have some people who are pitching me for stuff that I don't even know that they're pitching me for because they're just in those conversations. And I, I think that's really, um, but their focus is on building you up. They're the ones that are gonna be able to talk you up. Right, so it might be a client, it might yeah. be a CPA, it might be an mm -hmm. attorney, it might be someone at your church, yeah. it might be your mom. Right. <laughs> Gotta love the parents. They share everything on Facebook. <laughs> um, but peers, we talked about a little bit about that earlier, but people who are really like in the trenches with you um, day in and day out, that they are actually like, you can share those day-to-day -day experiences with. Um, and like study groups, um, that's a big place where I found mine. You said your study group meets once a month. Mine meets every week. We're all around the country. Um, we meet through a video conferencing. You talk about networking, and networking isn't just in person. Um, I found my study group on Twitter. Um, so you can, you can find things, find people a, a lot of different ways and a lot of different ways to connect. Um, but yeah, my study group definitely has been valuable. And those are the people, yeah? Oh, sorry. Oh, you're I was fine. just curious about your study group. I yeah. heard that earlier. Um, your virtual study group that you did. 
Yeah, my virtual study group, we, uh, two years ago, I think, had, we do an annual in-person retreat every year. And so I think two of the people had actually met in person beforehand, but everybody else, we had never actually met in person. Um, so yeah, we had, there's five planners. We intentionally, it's funny, because we all intentionally said, it was set up so that we had people who were not like each other. So we had some in the RIA space, some in the BD space. Everybody was a firm owner. Everybody was within probably seven years of age and varying stages. Two of us were buying a practice, three were starting a practice from scratch. Um, but as it's kind of fallen, most everybody is now an RA. And so we're kind of, it's funny because our business models are kind of <laughs> getting more similar the longer we go on. But yeah, we're all over the country. We, anything's on the table. It's an hour a week, anything. All topics are on the table. Um, so I'm not sure I can oh, yeah. answer so more. I was just wondering who was in it, what you talked about. Yeah, so we'll talk about, it can be anything. Um, we had a guy in our study group who's having a baby and he's like, do I buy a house or not? I mean, so we had that conversation. We also, um, we all bring different skill sets to the table. And what's interesting, I don't know if they planned it this way, but who we listen to or like the programs that we're in were all very different. So like I was heavy into like the sudden, sudden money, um, that type of stuff. Um, other people were, somebody was in Kinder's program. We have one person who's a CPA and just spot on with that. I mean, you have a tax question, I, I would put him up against pretty much anybody. Um, and it started with Twitter. Someone tweeted that they wanted to begin a study group. Somebody tweeted that they were writing an article, and, or they were looking for somebody who was buying a practice. They like listed it out. And I, I respond ba responded back, and so we had a Twitter chat, and then we ended up jumping on a phone call. We had an hour-long call, and he's like, hey, I'm starting a study group. Would you be interested? So that's how that got started. But engaging with people on Twitter. Um, we're running this podcast. I have, I'm going out to San Diego next week for a conference. I had several people who have reached out to me and said, hey, we're gonna be here, the XY Planning Network is having their conference. Are you gonna be there? And I'm like, well, I'm not that one, but I'm in a different one. And so we're gonna meet up. You know, so there's a lot of ways virtually you can meet up with your peers, as, long, as well as, I mean, NextGen's a big deal in Dallas now, which it wasn't three years ago. You know, there's a lot of in-person meetups, but technology really does open a lot of doors. And then I have two study groups. Mine are both, my age group won't shock you when I say they're all in person here in Dallas. <laughs> all the advisors are Dallas and we meet in person once a month, both of them. But one is more of a social focus. It's just planners getting together and sharing our lives with each other. Sometimes we'll talk about things that go on in the office, but really it's just a social support network. And then the other one is very, intentionally, Louisa and I are in a study group together, very intentionally focused on honing our skills in certain topic areas. Our next discussion will be on the changes that are expected in money market funds and the, the talk about negative interest rates and the impact that might have on our client base and, and on our advice to clients and, and very intentionally focused that way. But we meet in person once a month, both of those groups. Mm -hmm. Nothing says that's the right way. It's just, there was no social media when we started our groups. 
I have another group. We're not meeting anymore, but we were all volunteers at a nonprofit. And we they had some Saturday event, and there were four of us, and there was just chemistry, and somehow this, it was just one of those conversations where, like, this is over, and, like, we went to another restaurant afterwards, and so we were meeting once every couple months, um, and it was just more of a get-together, but it was also, like, intentional. Like, it was like, this is what I want to do with just life, and, and that was a really good way to connect. Um, one thing I think is important when you start talking about your peers is there's a lot of competition that goes on I think that's not necessarily necessary um, but like there's a lot of value in like cheering your peers on um, and I don't think we do that enough of saying like you're doing such an awesome job instead of the well that's nice like <laughs> I wish I had done that you know um, I think that's a very different perspective and once you kind of shift to that cheering people on I think it that helps your network develop a lot more rapidly because this just doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. Um, I have people doing really interesting things <laughs> as one of the groups that you should be networking with uh, because so much is changing right now. I've talked to people who've said in the last two years more has changed in the financial industry than 20 years prior. Um, and so with so much happening so rapidly, the people that are really on that cutting edge, I mean, those are the people you can learn from quickly. And so having those people in your network, following what they're doing, even if you're like, that'll never happen, you know, that won't happen in my firm, but just following those people, I think, gives you an edge. Um, and then people you can mentor and people who are, you know, a year or two years behind where you are, I think that's a really important group to have as well because you learn so much more teaching other people and they'll be teaching you a lot more <laughs> too as you kind of go through this. Definitely learn. We learn as we teach, no question. Teach slash mentor. Yeah. So that was all the types of people I had in mind. There's probably more, but there are. There's an endless number. Yeah. But so it's a great segue to this mapping exercise that I have. I've been using this for several years and it's material that you can find online uh, uh, through Matt Oxley. You'll, his, his website is on the cover page of what I'm about to give you. Matt is very well known in the industry for marketing and he has a Rainmaker conference you can attend if you want. His focus is helping advisors build their business and some of what he says I would never implement but some of what he says, and this particular exercise is fabulous, and I downloaded it. It's free content from his website. However, it's, it's, I've really been using it for about 10 years. It may not, no longer be up. I don't know. I haven't been out to look for it recently. But I'm going to give it to you, and the first page is instructions for how to use the mapping and then the next few pages really are just triggering your mind for the different types of people that you might want to go through the mapping exercise with. So all of the people mm -hmm. that Hannah mentioned, you can think of a name that goes in the center box. And then there's a column for you to just write down everything you already know about that person. And then there's another column on the opposite side of the page for you to start to take down the things you need to find out. This is what I already know. So Hannah, you might decide she would be a good mentor. You would write Hannah's name in the middle. What do you already know about Hannah? 
She's got her own RIA. She bought a practice. She leads this discussion group, so on and so forth. What do you need to find out about her? And then at the very bottom, you make some action steps based on what you need to know. Very, very simple. It, the thing is that will separate you from everyone else in this business is that if you will write down one action step and give yourself a responsibility for it and a date and then actually do it, you're light years ahead of 99% of the other advisors. And then once you complete your first action step, you think of the next one and you figure out who needs to be involved in that action step and you give yourself a date and you just methodically work down this page until you've accomplished your goal and then you create a new page. So there's one called prospects. That would be perhaps a prospective client. There's one called top clients. So those of you that already have a client base, you can identify a top client. What do you already know? What do you need to find out? What would be my action step? There's one called personal centers of influence. This is, this is an advocate who, who in your world is, could be a great advocate but they're not yet. Or who's already an advocate but perhaps they can give you the name of someone else that would be an advocate that you don't already know. And then referral alliances. Those titles are fine, but perhaps you think of other people that you're seeking to get to know. The point is, be intentional about your actions. Do your homework through social media and other avenues, websites, to find out what you already know before you even begin to map out your action steps. Identify what you need to find out and be intentional about it. So I'm going to give each of you one of these. And then I also prepared, uh, once you get a meeting with someone, I have a series of questions where you can keep the focus of the meeting on that person and their business or their practice or their life so that, you, so that the meeting doesn't turn out to be you doing all the talking. And then I've given some suggested scripting. Again, I don't expect you to read this and script it exactly, but it it shares with you some of the phrasing that I would use if I was asking for a meeting. And if it can be helpful to you, I think that's great. And if not, use it to make changes. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I think I had a conversation with some friends and you get to a point where people ask, a number of people can ask for time or whatever. And I think advisors are always willing to give their time, but there is some sense of like you have to earn you have to earn the right for their time. And that's what this is, like what you're, you're talking about, like, you know, if you don't know, like, the basics, like, gotta dig a little bit deeper. Um, one of the things that I find, because I got a lot of professional conferences, financial planning conferences, and, okay, so a couple things. If you're young, people love to give you advice, even if you don't ask for it. Like, love it, good or bad. Um, and so obviously there are some people who have given me lots of bad advice um, that I just, again, you're, like you said, you just kind of like, I don't want you in my network. Uh, but the people who give me really good advice, I always try to act on it before I ever go talk to them again. 
and like make sure like there have been times where I'm like oh crap like I'm going to this conference I know they're going to be there okay I have to do this so you can go back to them and be like you told me like you suggested that I do this this and this and I did this and this is what I found and like that deepens relationships so fast uh, because it's unusual that you give advice and nothing's more frustrating because so I've experienced it a couple of times people will be like what should I do on this I'm like well here's here's my thoughts on this and well six months later they're asking the exact same question and you're like well wasting my time. Um, but showing progress, I think, is really... Which is another way of saying doing what you said you were going to do. Again, it's a no-brainer way to separate yourself from everyone else in, mm -hmm. in this business. So few people follow through and do what they say they're going to do. Inconsistency mm -hmm. is really important because mm -hmm. um, I go to like FPA local meetings and I'm, I mean, I've been in it seven, eight years now, and I still am like, I don't have anybody to talk to. <laughs> uh, but the being there consistently, like I think it's a big deal because you, you keep showing up and the same people, even though they're not talking to you, they're still seeing you, especially if you're young, especially if you're female. I mean, there's just not many of us. Um, and so people notice you and, and so then you go and talk to them and they're like, oh, I've seen you around. Like, you already have some rapport built up um, where you didn't before. So I think that consistency even if you feel like it's not going anywhere, but you know this group, you want to be connected with them. I think that's an important element. So what do you do? Like, how do you get through that feeling of like, oh, no one knows me, or I don't know them, and like, who do I talk to, what do I do? Like, how do you get through that feeling in the beginning when I was tired? Hello, Charlie here. I'm Hannah's husband and the guy who edits these episodes together. Hannah's answer to this question was, well, without a doubt, some of the worst advice I'd heard her give in a while. So I'm gonna cut it right out. To everyone who's there at the meetup, I'm sorry. And to everyone listening to this episode, yeah, you're welcome. Now here's Lynn's response. Then I also have a perspective on that. Again, what did I say about the cocktail party? Talk to the people yeah. you don't know already. Yeah. In the, at every FPA meeting, we always have wholesalers. Number one, they help foot the bill. So in a, in a sense, I feel an obligation to speak with them and thank them for that. But those wholesalers know the people in the room that are doing interesting things mm -hmm. and that are bringing new clients to the table, that are in leadership roles, if not at FPA, in other places. So if you walk into an FPA meeting and you don't quickly see somebody, if, if you haven't in advance realized, okay, I'm going to FPA, and you can always call Melissa and find who's, who's if it's not already on the website. They just made it where it's on the website like a couple months ago. Check the le list of who's signed up, and in advance know, I wanna talk to this person. But if you get to the room and you don't see that person, then find one of the wholesalers talk to them, thank them for their support, and ask them, who do you know here in the local Dallas area that's doing some really interesting things? Will you point me to that person because I'm new and I'd like to talk to them? That's really good advice, yeah. And you know, one way to get over it is get involved, sit on a committee, yeah. do all of those things. Yeah, there's no better time. You might think you don't have enough gray hairs to give advice or to sit on a committee, but that it's a funny thing in our business. You have more time today than you're ever gonna have. 
because tomorrow you'll only have more clients and you think someday I'm gonna be the gray hair and I'll have more time but you don't have more time because now you have a big practice so right now is the time today is the time to be involved one other thing I found really helpful so when I started I mean there was I mean Michael Kitts is a huge name now I mean he was maybe had started a blog at that point um, and just kind of with my situation because it was like I'm buying this practice and I'm 22 and I don't know what I'm doing um, I learned so much like I literally just consumed every piece of information I could find so when we would go to conferences or you know, lunch and learns that they would have and somebody would be like oh my gosh financial planning software I'm like okay so what's your problem because I know every single software out there I can tell you the pros and cons of every single one of them and people started to see me as a person who had if I didn't know the answer I knew darn well where they could find it and so that helped a lot with networking as well, where it would be awkward before, but I could say, well, you know, what's, what are you looking for? And I can point you in these directions. And that was really valuable. Right. No, that's, that's a point we hadn't mentioned yet. Develop an expertise. Mm -hmm. It's not too early. I advise young advisors all the time, figure out what it is that really interests you the most, the, the, the client issue that you'll spend 10 times more research time on than any other issue and become an expert in that and begin to blog about it and put your name behind some, it's exactly what Michael Kitsis did, uh, K-I-T-C-E-S, if you haven't crossed paths with him. He began writing about those things that interested him, but it's never too early to begin that process either. For Hannah, it's financial planning software, you know, I don't have one. Well, and even just staying up on current events, you know, the fiduciary is a huge issue. Are you at an FPA meeting? There is not one advisor who has not thought about that and who is not thinking about it right now. And if you're up to, like, up to speed on it and can have an intelligent conversation, I mean, that's valuable. Whether you're 22 and starting out or you're 60 and have a large practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... I have one of my things on here, like having original thoughts about things, I think is really important to set yourself apart, being, making people think like they've never thought before on something, I think is really valuable and will increase your network really fast. That's true. Um, but professionally, like places that you go to network, you have the FPA, DFW, NextGen's a great one. Um, if you're iffy only, Napagenesis. If you're younger, um, Napfa is a really good one. What's that one for the only? Uh, Napfa and Um The XY Planning Network, um, their name has gotten big lately. Um, and if you're XY Planning Network, another great place, they have a podcast as well. It's really good. If you're on Facebook, they have a really active Facebook forum for financial advisors. I mean, every day multiple people are throwing out questions. It's a great place to go. Even if you don't participate, just to see the questions that are being asked and what people are saying about that, I think it's really, really valuable. Um, obviously, broker-dealer conferences and events. Um, I'm a huge, probably the best conference I've ever gone to is FPA Retreat. I'm a huge advocate for them. Um, but then there's conferences like the Next Gen Gathering, which will happen again next year if you're under the age of 36. 
fills up in about a month, so you have to be on top of that one. Um, but yeah, lots of different places professionally. And outside of the financial planning world, I think there's a lot of really, really good stuff out there. But people just don't naturally go find it. Right. Don't be afraid to attend the conference of just something that you're interested in. Or if you seem to have, for instance, in our client base, we have quite a few people that are in commercial real estate. So the professional real estate conferences that they attend is a great place to go and network, attend the conference, sit in the meetings, learn what they're learning. I'm interested in um, how do I market my small RAA. I go to a lot of blogging conferences where I literally am the only financial advisor there, um, but just to learn from other places. Sorry, what kind of conferences do you go to? Blogging. Mm -hmm. I um, personally believe that that's the future for all of you in this room. You need to blog mm -hmm. and do it in a way that's compliant with your back office. But you need to be putting your thoughts down on paper or virtual paper, whichever the case may be. Not afraid, like Hannah said, of having an original thought and putting it out there and, and opening the door for people to comment on that. It's, it's mandatory. So f early, right now, tomorrow, today, as you think about these people that you want to begin a mapping exercise, think about what is exciting to you. What would I, if I was required to tweet something, what would it be? You're not required to do it, but I believe it's the future of you and your ability to connect yourself in a meaningful way with your future clients. Yeah, financial planning looks very different. <laughs> it looks very different than the world I grew up in. Yeah. And even just outside conferences, one of the best conferences I ever went to for helping me with the clients was a grief counseling conference. Like, how do you, how do you help somebody go through grief? And just literally had nothing to do with financial planning, but it was has helped me tremendously in how to relate to clients. Just so there's lots of tangential things that help your skill set or help your network. Um, and grief applies to job loss, not just death. It applies to market decline. <laughs> it, it applies to market decline. It applies to divorce. I mean, you name it. Yeah, Retirement. huge one. Retirement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be creative about where you spend your time, for sure. And what? Oh. How do you balance like networking within the profession and then networking outside the profession for clients or your fun or for clients? But like, yeah, what's that balance? So I'm probably a bad example. I network primarily within the industry. Um, I'm not having to go find out a lot of clients outside. So the clients that I have with me, I essentially bought those clients or they've been referrals from existing clients. So I haven't had the need to build up that client base. Now, I probably should still be doing it. Um, but so I do primarily focus within the profession. And I am always every it always comes down to the three legged stool for me. One third, one third, one third. One third of my time is in the profession. One third of my time is with my clients or with people that they're advisors, and then one-third of my time is with professionals outside of my 
client base. I believe in diversification. <laughs> I think what's great with technology too is like, I've come to love Facebook groups. I mean, I can get plugged into a group that's so outside of my world that I'm just kind of curious about and I can just see the conversations and watch those conversations. And then I'm so much more able to go have an intelligent conversation with somebody. Um, so if you're just wanting to watch, go to Facebook and Facebook groups. It's great. Or even what clients are saying, there's some really good, like there's Facebook groups with tens of thousands of people where people are just asking their money questions. I'm like, this is like the best place to see what people are wanting to know. So technology, I think, opens that up mm -hmm. a lot. And Twitter, financial advisors love Twitter. It's a little weird, but they do. Yeah. Always check with your broker dealer if yeah. you have one, uh, what they allow. Good disclaimer. Oh, just curious if you had any examples of Facebook groups or names that you, you use or you might see things like that. Work. So the best Facebook group for financial advisors is the XYPN Radio VIP something or other. XYPN. XYPN VIP um, what does that stand for? The XY Planning Network. So it's a group. They do you know the XY Planning Network? Okay, so they're a. They they were finding that a lot of young advisors wanted to serve their peers, so Gen X and Gen Y, and so they basically built out a platform of technology suite. So if you were thinking about starting your own practice, you could just sign up with them, and they had every tool that you needed to start the practice. So a little bit like the Garrett Network, but maybe a little bit less support because Garrett does a lot of stuff up front. Um, but they're almost at 300 advisors now. It's grown really big. So XYPN, so XY Planning Network, mm -hmm. and then VIP Radio Group. But that's the best one for financial advisors. Um, for marketing, I'm in um, Digital Marketer Exchange is one that I use. Um, I'm in one, it's like, it's NPRs, it's like, it's your money or, and it's your life or something like that. Um, there's a bunch of blogging ones that I'm in. Um, conferences will often have um, Facebook groups, so like FinCon, I'm going to FinCon next week. FinCon has a whole Facebook group that they're always talking back and forth on things. So it's, I'm in a lot of young female entrepreneur groups I can't even tell you all the names of them, but I'm probably in like 15 or 20 different groups. So find something that you're interested in and like you can find groups that are out there building community because that's the whole name of the game now. It used to be content was, you know, all content, SEO, do all that. And now SEO is becoming less important. It's all about this community aspect of it. So that's where things are headed to now. Thanks for joining us on this episode of You're a Financial Planner, Now What? You can find more episodes online at financialplannerpodcast.com. And of course, sign up for our email list to stay in the know on future updates and events. We have some great content headed your way that I'm sure you're going to love. We'll talk again next week. Didn't laugh once. That was a lot better though. It was better? Yeah.